This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. If you're a fan of macroalgae, oh, then mm-hmm. you may not want to miss this episode. My name is Frank, and with me is a man who, like me, feels we've been robbed in the 90s. More on that later. Mark. Reach for the sky. <laughs> now, you can always, and I emphasize always, find us on Spotify, always. Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, Amazon Music Always. Podcast. And Always. Listen, you can see these delicious mugs right here on YouTube. Always. But when you ask, great question. Aside from always, new episodes drop each and every Friday-ish. Yeah. And if you're hearing us for the first time, welcome. This show was something just for us to discuss on the records that we love, but we're also embarking on these journeys uh, and these discoveries of bands we perhaps didn't pay attention to. This, I'm starting to think, Mark, could be why we do this. Oh, for sure. Like uh, our our Versus series, Frank, where we we duke it out on behalf of two albums or two bands. Uh, For what you and I have coined, total stereo Oh, into the Descendants mode, too. Now, the timing of that was impeccable. Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we could send it. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to end the show right now. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, as always. <laughs> Stay safe out there. That's right. So Enjoy. while you're at it, listen, check us out on Instagram, Facebook group. Hopefully these episodes, hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical more. goodness. If you got a record that you want us to check out, you have to drop a comment so we know what records to possibly check Don't out. Don't be shy. Come nope. on. Just give us give us it. Um, do okay. It. So if you say the word seaweed, Mark, aside from its purpose uh-huh. in sushi, and I do love a good okay. sushi roll, it doesn't mm-hmm. come across as the sexy name for a rock band, nor would it be one that would intrigue someone to want to take a listen mm-hmm. to. But this is where we can take and everything. We can't take everything for face value, Mark. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot lately, and the '90s have become, I think, more and more interesting. If you ask me, um, looking back, one could argue that most of the first half was really flooded with the rise and the quick fall of grunge music, and coupled with Cobain's death. I feel for most it was Nirvana or Bust. Uh, looking back, uh, there seems to be more and more bands that are equally worthy of one's attention. So, Mark, your thoughts. Let's have a little something to say about this. Uh, no, uh, the early 90s were, were tough for dudes of, of our age, right? We were preteens, uh, nearly into our 20s, come 99. Um, we were lucky in a lot of ways, right? There was a great deal of alternative music kind of hitting the mainstream. It, it wasn't just pop music and that terribly defined uh, genre of pop rock was growing out of its kind of amorphous innocuous shapeless blob and uh distinguishable genres were starting to get more uh exposure to the limelight Uh, hard rock and metal had had been there um but punk and indie were really starting to grow in acceptance grunge uh gets a lot of credit in the early 90s despite being really just a hybrid of punk and indie music uh you know of the late 80s 
But that's what the record labels were interested in, right? Pushing uh, as they watched hair metal die uh, and, and grasping for the first thing they could find coming out of the ashes just so that they could continue selling records, those bloodthirsty cocksuckers. Now, I can't blame this entirely on the record industry, right? Certainly our age, our geographical location yeah. played into our exposure to smaller bands and, and college radio because we really didn't have college radio. We had a high school radio, which just kind of played the punk stuff we already knew. That said, right. uh, I wish I knew more uh, than the, the thrill of chasing the sound uh, that I have now. I wish I had it then. I wish I knew to be more uh, pushing the envelope in terms of what was uh, available to me. There is so much more out there that that we allow to go by because we're stuck listening to the same records 9,000 times. And I get that behavior. Uh, I've certainly done it. But I also see the, the, the pitfalls of it in hindsight, right? Because we stop searching for something new and we get comfortable, uh, you know, like a, like a mac and cheese. We just let it get us fat and we... We never move on. <laughs> uh, well said, man. And a lot of truth to that statement. And, you know, it definitely gets us at the, you're right. The age thing, I think it definitely plays a role. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mug, mug, mug. So for the band Seaweed, mm-hmm. let's talk about them. They were formed in 89 sure. in Tacoma, Washington by vocalist Aaron Stouffer, guitarist Clint Warner, guitarist Wade Neal, bassist John Atkins and drummer, Bob Boldrin. Um, Stouffer stated that he grew up liking acts like Bob Dylan and Blood on the Tracks being a favorite record, but then he found his way, like a lot of people do, to, to punk or just other music other than what their parents have listened to. Uh, bands like Soundgarden, believe it or not, Rights of Spring, Fugazi, Dag Nasty, Minor Threat, and Black Flag influenced them. Um, with reference to the band name, uh, Stouffer said it meant nothing, and the band just settled on it after many, many names that were thrown at them. Um, Mark, uh, all those, kind of with the exception of Soundgarden, are hardcore bands. Um, does seeing that list of bands make more sense to you with regards to how the band Seaweed sounds? You know, it, it sure does. I remember thinking about who I would want to to see on tour with Seaweed, and, and Fugazi was on top of my list. The, the styles and the energy are kind of in the same space, so I think that would have been a fair comparison. But just on the name thing real quick, if you had told me, like, I mean, and you did tell me, but, like, you gave me a little background, like, oh, we're going to check out this band Seaweed. What do you think they sound like? I would have imagined them to be, like, one of those black metal bands where, like, you can't oh, read the name. Yeah. It just looks like the roots of a tree growing down and somebody took a picture. Like, because because all of those names are, like, so absurd and ridiculous that if, like, Seaweed were one of them, I would have been like, okay, or maybe, like, a stoner doom band from from a coastal town. Right, right. maybe. From the desert know. or but, something like that. Yeah. 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 totally like could that. See that. but uh, totally could yeah. see that yeah. did not expect this and was really really thrilled with what we got absolutely now the yeah. band's first major tour was with the band super chunk and would release the first album which was self-titled uh, but the album was a collection of previous singles and one new song uh in 90 the band signed to sub pop obviously out of the pacific northwest and released the album despised in 92, the band released Week, which was the initial record Mark I was actually going to give you for this episode. Um, then they toured with Pavement. Week with an A. Yeah, Week with, correct, Week with an A. They toured with Pavement and in 93 released a record Four, which was actually self-produced mm-hmm. by the band. The success of Four actually, yeah, 
fantastic record. Um, the success of that record and the marketing of that record led to them, believe it or not, touring with Bad Religion and Green Day. Again, like no idea about any of this stuff was even going on uh, during the time the band was featured on uh, an episode of Beavis and Butthead. And they did a cover of Fleetwood Max Go Your Own Way on the Clerk soundtrack. Again, I'm like, uh, these things had to have come our way. And I just totally glossed over it. I'm trying to um, think of how many times I've seen Clerks and I've never noticed that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because, you know, the no yeah. effects cover of Go Your Own Way on uh, whatever record i can't think of it right now but yeah there was that yeah. too um mm-hmm. so the contract for sub pop gets fulfilled stouffer said mm-hmm. sub pop was having trouble getting their records in stores so they signed with hollywood records and released the album mm-hmm. i gave you mark span away released in 95 mm-hmm. now it's important to note epitaph was also a label that they were talking to at the time but stouffer said we were tired and dirty and wanted money so maybe we could like potentially buy a house um Obviously, bands, you know, some they got to do what they got to do. Um, before we get into this album, Mark, I must note that they even appeared on the very first Warp Tour. Think about that. Uh, pretty yeah. cool. Um, so you ready to kickstart the party, man? Start my fart, Frank. <laughs> All right. Track one, Free Drug Zone. Uh, really a drowning sound in the beginning of this opening track. And Aaron's vocals coming in rough. And what we have is a very well built post-hardcore tune many styles in one all wrapped up into one uh mark are you living in a free drug zone <laughs> come on you know there's no such thing as free drugs frank all right true. Uh, true. i really dig uh this opening track big post-hardcore kind of swing uh very big you know, toe tapping energy really setting the tone for an aggressive um and introspective if not confusing lyrically uh record yeah Totally. Yeah. Track two, Crush Us All. I love the opening riff. And it takes us on a trip or really what could be an examination of holding to one's promises we made to ourselves. Uh, here's some lyrics. Clear vision of what you say is you lost yourself and the deadlock in which you were raised. Recognition of a hand that fed mouths that bled. Biting back today. Um, Mark, your thoughts here. I'm hearing this one a little differently, Frank. It reads more like someone... Uh, too caught up in, in a brag in their own ego, if you will, to acknowledge the promises they uh, they knew knew oh. would be uh, their ruin and and ruin of all attached to them. Um, I don't know. Uh, I like to look too deeply into these things sometimes. So I, I could just be completely off base here. But I really dig this track. Um, really cool sound. And yeah, that that opening riff is just oh. killer. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Track three, start with the first single. And it really makes you wonder <laughs> why wasn't this in our faces in 1995? Instead, you know, if you look at what was on the charts, then we got Boulevard Butterfly Wings from Smashing Pumpkins, Name from Goo Goo Dolls, and Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me by U2. Yes, listen, I picked the ones I don't like. But you mean to tell me that in 95, there was no room for a song like this to be in rotation on Un Radio? Mark, um, <laughs> what would you like to start with here? <laughs> First of all, goddamn, I love your brain. Uh, second of all, Hollywood Records is absolute garbage. Or I shouldn't right. say is was absolute garbage. They're horrible. Look what they did to my beloved Suicide Machines. Anyways, yeah, you. Uh, there you go. I mean this. Good point. This has all the earmarks of sarcastic '90s angst uh, we all wanted back then. It really surprised this wasn't a, a bigger song in an era of snarky songs. Uh, that were essentially about how the system is screwing us. This felt like it should have been right up there with those 
dang smashed pumpkin dildos. <laughs> Can't believe this wasn't a bigger song. Unbelievable. Well, it would definitely be the, the title of the next song. It was definitely a common mistake that it wasn't a, a, uh, <laughs> a bigger song. Mm-hmm. Track four, common mistake. Heavy hitting song with hints of right to spring. Uh, right to spring. I, I really like how they don't sound like where they are from geographically. Um, this band, Mark, I tell you, was not a common mistake. What say you? And, and the band and the song, uh, totally badass. Uh, like the, the opposite of a common mistake uh it takes work and and dedication to cultivate a sound based on more than just what's happening around you at the moment what other bands are doing and seaweed does that here really cool track i definitely feel where you get that rights of spring comparison yeah um really cool stuff Track five is Magic Mountain Man. Uh, similar beginning to a song that I we like a lot, uh, Penguins and Polar Bears by one of my faves, Melancholin. Um, another yep. what some at the time could call grunge, but it's so not, or and it's not really even punk at, uh, of, of that particular time too. So songs like this make me think that they were really flying that flag, uh, that punk could be so much more. And this is what they're giving us in that so much more. Um, Mark, your thoughts on the magic of the mountain man. You know, I, I agree with you. This doesn't have that kind of cliche uh, Pacific Northwest sound to, at all. It feels l- like a post-hardcore, maybe that kind of proto-email emo rights of spring again um, to me. The drums are heavy and keep the whole song grounded while the bass and guitars give it this a sense of laying under the stars but on a thick and dark uh, moody ominous night you know what i mean thick night um i really dig it it's cool song yeah absolutely track six saturday nitrous uh so cool how the song starts with bass and vocals and then just blares us into oblivion i almost hear some of believe it or not that leather face and hot water music vibe and was surprised mm-hmm. i didn't see those bands actually mentioned when seaweed was discussed uh mark is nitrous only good on saturdays you know you can do nitrous any day <laughs> but my preference uh is saturday and tuesdays <laughs> you know to keep things interested i got that uh big hot water music vibes here too frank um i like the break where they bring that uh what sounds like an announcer into the background almost like that there's a a a nitrous circuit or a race announcer behind you it really kind of adds a cool uh layer to it you know um yeah we're back off to the races and and that double tempo kicks back in it's just really cool um only to drop like back into that 90s kind of post-punk sound. I really like the movement here. They really keep the song interesting and going and keep you engaged the whole time. Yeah. really like Saturday Nitrous. Yeah, another tune I'm really into is the next one, Undeniable Hate. Uh, more post-hardcore riffs and such a steady rhythm section brings us together for this track. I love how the chorus is. It, there's an organization to it, but I'm going to juxtapose mm-hmm. it with a chaotic mess, and it just kind of all comes together. Um, Mark, are you digging this track? I dig, Frank. I dig. Uh, it's such a heavy-hitting number. The bass tone alone will melt your feelings if you've got this thing up loud enough. Uh, it's got a groove that keeps you moving despite its clear goal of trying to knock you over with its energy alone. Really powerful. Great track. 
Uh, plus that distorted vocal break in the outro uh, must have just been absolutely killer live. That must have just been like oh, a, a really gosh. cool moment to experience. Absolutely. Experience. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> defender. Coffee tongue. <laughs> love coffee tongue um jack eight defender my favorite on the album has all the elements mm. i like nice chunky bass audible vocals cryptic lyrics and a bombastic chorus uh love the fugazi style breakdown mark will you be mm. my defender against anyone who doesn't like this song for me you know it my brother uh, i mean anytime the bass line is allowed to just kind of carry that melody for most of the song i'm in i really like the way they did that but seriously for that that drum intro to that killer bass line and surprisingly catching chorus of hours and hours right um you can't help but want to start moving when you listen to this track um i'm responsible for at least two car two in-car mosh pits um <laughs> while driving and listening to this uh song this week leading up to doing the episode so i, I really dig this song too defender's really cool yeah track nine assistant in parentheses to the manager so well before dwight schrute was the assistant to the regional manager we have this track uh the course is very what we would hear in 95 and believe it or not at first listen i was like eh, i don't know i'm feeling it and then it hit me with regards to all that the band was doing in this song and and then i really started appreciating it mark identity theft isn't a joke frank uh i like the placement on the album here gives the listener a nice little sonic breather by changing up the structure and the tempo as for the song itself i think it works to show another side of the band from what we've seen on the album and given that this is the ninth track it I, th I think it keeps the back half of this album really interesting. We're off to like what's going on on the backside. I really yeah. dig it. Yeah. Track 10, Punchy the Clown. Uh, well, before Fat Mike's Cokey the Clown, we have Punchy, uh, which is just 53 seconds of punkness with distorted vocal or two distorted vocals. Nice little throw in here, Mark. Um, but more importantly, who, who are you taking in a match between Punchy, Cokey, and Doink the Clown? Well, I do like the historical punchy. However, um, I'm going with Joink all the way, brother. Nothing like the sadistic clown for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Track 11, not saying anything. Another highlight for me and, and deep into the album at track 11. Uh, the beginning gave me vibes of kind of Sparta. And I feel like it's, mm. it's a very polarizing track. Uh, here's some lyric. It's late and I don't want to fight. So I'm not saying anything. Just leave and let's sleep. Revive us. Silence addresses everything. Um, I had to say good shit here, Mark. What, what do you think? This is probably my favorite track on the album. I think anyone who's ever been uh, in any kind of a dark place with someone they love can relate to this song, yeah. right? Really heavy, but really well done. Uh, I don't know, man. The back half of this album is really Kills. killing it. Right. I know. I know. Uh, track 12, Last Humans. Here's some lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then all stops. We can be the last humans. Burn the science and moves to camp by skies are now to gives directions. I got think the world goes to back again itself for retire. Now, listen, that sounds like it's weird English and weird verbiage, but it flows mm -hmm. and it works in the placement of what they're doing. There really makes it sound a lot better, of course, than the way I was reading it. But heavy stuff here, Mark, that shows the band could write a tune. Uh, Mark, if me and you are the last humans, I call dibs on the top bunk, just so you know. Thank God, dude. I hate ladders. <laughs> um, but this is what some, some of what I was talking about, right? Some of the lyrics are kind of chaotic and kind of crazy. 
Um, but they really work right. This, this is one of those songs that when I read the lyrics, I'm like, what the fuck is he talking right. about? Because they don't always make sense together. It's more of this idea of stacked up together and 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 the way he's singing them, he can manage to bring them together in a way that that works in the song. But sometimes like when, when Frank just read it, you can kind of be like, wait, what the fuck is this one song? It's not... So it's really interesting. Um, don't let our readings uh, alone. Certainly, yeah. Lord knows when I leave, read lyrics, it sounds like a hot mess. <laughs> um, I'm kind of impressed by um, how cool they are just in that like, he does such a cool job of, of trying to explain that end of the world feeling yes. um, and what he would do. And like, it just really like, it's compelling storytelling, even though it is so kind of chaotic. Um, I really dig the way the song comes together, man. Crazy lyrics and all. Yeah. It's really awesome. Track 13, Pepe's bingo, uh, just a oh. minute long track of a soundscape to take us away and complete the album. I'm totally cool with stuff like this. Mark, what about you? I like when a band does this, you know, uh, it's just a, a minute and and not 18 like some bands would do. And I really like, you know, just kind of ending a wild ride like this with just kind of a, a, a note of uncertainty that you don't know what's going to come next from the band. You don't know what's going to come next in life. Um, it's really an interesting way to end the album. I, I dig it. Like and it's well placed at the end. They didn't, you know, try to zhuzh up. The, the end of the first half of the record by putting it in there and confusing yeah. us. Just kind of a cool little outro. Uh, I think it worked. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so that that's the album, and the album was actually a commercial disappointment. But ironically, Mark, a publication we're well aware of, actually in our, well, your former area, but my current area, Sun Sentinel, concluded oh. that Spanaway, I, and I can't find out who exactly penned this, but said follows mm. the loud, fast rule of the new melodic punk genre with stinging guitars and maximum volume. I thought, I was like, wow, someone actually had half a brain and, and put this all together. Um, the band will release another record and their last in 99 called Actions and Indications. They had a brief reunion in 2008 for the Sub Pop 20th anniversary show. And I listened earlier this week uh, to a podcast called This Was the Scene. And there was an episode with Aaron, and he had some interesting notes from it. So let's go through some of them, Mark, and, and talk about them. Um, one of the first things he says is Tacoma and Olympia were different from Seattle and that they were almost like anti-Seattle and they were their own scene. And he said grunge was just a term really that media created and major labels went with. Uh, and the scene in Seattle, no one viewed it as such, meaning grunge. They viewed it as just kind of various punk bands and various rock bands. Uh, Mark, your thoughts. Damn media again, Frank, selling us off. It made me imagine when you were talking about the Sun Sentinel and how you couldn't figure out who actually wrote the article. Just a, a rolled up newspaper with headphones on and like yes. a pen, like just writing some shit. Like, who's doing this? Is the actual paper just sitting there, like click clacking at the keyboard? <laughs> I know, um, right? And again, but here, but here we have it, right? Just the media portraying one thing as everything instead of this is a little piece of it. Here's something else from somewhere else. Even though they're close geographically, there's a difference in the sound. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the next thing that uh, was stated by Aaron is he says that punk to him was about having a record collection and knowing those bands and loving the music to the point of bringing him inspiration and not Mohawks and drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I think punk is that for a lot of people who aren't into punk. Right. And, and they want to admit they think it's just drugs and 
and uh and a uniform right so like the uniform the mohawk the drugs they're the extreme side of it and like yeah. anything else it doesn't describe the whole i i think that description of having a record collection whether that's actual records or just a passionate collection of cds like you and i had yeah. uh, for so many years i think that's more of what it's about and and carrying on the ethos of what the music represents yeah i agree he also said that the type of punk they were doing didn't get popular until bands until with a band later like he used that to drive in in particular um and they weren't meaning the seaweed weren't like the punk from southern california and he said epitaph bands which he loved by the way were more formulaic and the fans at the shows weren't as open-minded for their style of punk mark I think these guys uh, may be victims of being ahead of their time. I mean, honestly, right? The, that sounds kind of fair to me. The fact that um, no one is playing the style of music yet really kind of like, you know, this is being in a band is a marathon, right? Mm-hmm. You got to you gotta be in it for the long haul, especially when you have your own unique sound and you're not doing what everybody else does. It makes it very difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's, that's just kind of the hard thing about being in a band like this. You look at hot water music and how long that they've just continued on. They had to take those breaks, but they've been able to because they just did it in their own path. And like, it's just tricky, man. Yeah, totally. So Mark, with all that said, then how would you classify their style of punk? So I think it's safe to call seaweed kind of uh, post hardcore, even emo uh, under that rights of spring kind of definition to it. Uh, However, I really, uh, like what I what I really like about uh, them is their ability to dabble uh, in so many sounds and subgenres without losing their own identity. Right? They, yeah. There's a little piece of uh, Leatherface here. There's a little bit of Rights of Spring there, uh, but at the same time, they're uniquely themselves. Yeah, totally. So. Well, Mark, let's chat that after Seaweed, Aaron, uh, and he was saying in this interview, he's a nurse in a small town in Northern California. He said the distance. Hello, nurse. He said the distance between being a punk rock singer and a medical professional is quite large. And nowadays he identifies with the latter. However, he is in a band called Ghost Work with members of Snapcase and members of and and minus the bear um, where he just records the music. He stated that he doesn't play shows. He admitted to his voice not being strong anymore nowadays. Uh, but check out that album because I think we found that to be really enjoyable. Um, very insightful interview and very insightful guy and seems to be a real music fan, which, you know, that's something me and you, Mark, both admire. Um, so with that said, Mark, your final thoughts on not only Spanaway, but but the band. Seaweed, <laughs> not just for freaking out your kid sister at the beach anymore. I really uh, <laughs> I'm really stoked that you found this band and this album, Frank. Spanaway checks a lot of boxes for me. It's a, a loud and bombastic album with mysterious and heavy lyrics. Uh, and I'm not afraid of it's not afraid of those big choruses. There are some really memorable tunes here. Not saying anything. Defender, Saturday Nitrous, Free Jug Zone. Start with and, and crush us all. The album opens with some of the bigger, heavier hitters all of which are are just full-on badass, while the backside of the album displays a little bit more depth uh, by changing up the formula and giving 
their sound or energy uh, with these tempo changes and moments of uh, chaotic expression, I think is a fair way to describe it. Uh, this was my favorite out of the seaweed discography because Frank and I did essentially end up tuning uh, <laughs> the entire discography <laughs> of Quiver this week. Uh, this is an eight and a half out of 10 for me, Frank. If anybody can find me this record, uh, let me know. I'll give you my mailing address. This thing is badass. <laughs> nice. I was really impressed by this album and the band overall. Honestly, out of all the records I've listened to, there isn't a bad one in the bunch, which begs the question, why weren't they more popular? In an alternate in reality, records. Mark. Yeah, right. Exactly. In an alternate reality, maybe Mudhoney becomes the flagship band in Seven Nirvana. Maybe mm-hmm. Seaweed mm-hmm. is equally as popular. I think many at the time, right, especially teens, wouldn't get their style, us included, and I'm fully yeah. okay with saying that. Uh, it's equal parts punk, post-hardcore, DC hardcore, alternative with melody and aggression. Crush us all, start with Undeniable Hate, Defender, not saying anything. Really, just a whole album is a good time. I really get amazed with the discovery of these bands from the 80s and the 90s, What makes you wonder how we were fed to like things at the right time in life when we are most impressionable and cling to that as truth. Okay. Now that statement obviously could be applied to many things, but here I'm just talking about music. So just everyone knows <laughs> eight and a 10 for me, Mark on Spanaway. Uh, check out their other records. Uh, fun episode. Great time. I'm glad I was able to share it with you. Um, and what do you have for me? Frank, uh, a tasty little treat uh, that we've been dying to dig into. We're, we're just going to go ahead and do it. We're talking about uh, 2021's, snake pit therapy oh yeah gentlemen uh frank discovered while we were doing our rocket from the crypt episode mr sunny vincent really oh, I'm great so stuff. glad you picked this it, it has been blowing my mind i think we just need to get it over and talk about it already and do a little snake pit therapy brother oh man i am so glad that you picked this i'm so excited another guy who we want to venture into this even goes <laughs> further back than the than the 90s and the 80s with regards to oh, when man. he made his uh, bone, so to speak. I can't wait to talk about this, Mark. Um, oh, yeah, sounds. I think it's going to be a pretty big episode, or at least, but for you and I, it'll yes, be, it'll be a. a it's pack. big for us, yeah, totally. Yeah, sounds great, man. Hey, listen, thank you everyone for joining. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review. Be safe out there. And uh, when in doubt, listen to Frank, and you know, <laughs> say it with me. Oh my, my. oh hell yes, oh.